0: Good morning and welcome to KRBN's Midday. It's a Friday edition, which personally is my favorite edition of uh, Midday. They're all my favorites, but Friday, uh, I like Friday a little bit more. I don't know. There's something about it. And by the way, happy summer to you. As summer uh, became official about an hour ago, so we welcome it here. We'd like to welcome it with some dry and uh, corn-growing weather, but that hasn't uh, materialized just yet as uh, we join with Susan Littlefield, and, and we're hoping for it, though maybe the end of the month, it sounds like it might come, Susan.
1: Oh, very much hoping for it. The sun did peak out here just a few moments ago, so we'll, we'll take any type of sunshine we can get.
0: Yeah, it's rough. Well, we'll, we'll talk to Al Dutcher and maybe uh, in just a little bit, and we'll hear from him. Maybe he'll give us some good news.
1: Exactly. He'll come up at 1219, give us an update on the weather and what we're going to see into the coming week. Then at 1245, of course, we're in the middle of June Dairy Month. We're going to learn more about McCarty Family Farms and their five dairies, as Clay will give us an update on that. Then coming up at 117, because it is Friday, it is time for our Big Iron Realty Fridays in the Field. And we are going to head out to the central north central part of the state with Shaley Peters.
0: All right. Well, chock full of stuff and uh, getting ready for the weekend. So thank you so much, Susan. And when you get out to the rain gauge, hopefully it's not too depressing when you actually able to wait out there to it.
1: Oh, very much so. I'm going to definitely put galoshes on before I do it.
0: <laughs> very good. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate yep. it. Turn it over to Brandon Bennett's in here for sports NBA draft last night. And for the first time in 20 years, a Husker was drafted.
2: It's one of the things we're going to talk about in the 1225 Sports is we're going to focus on a couple of numbers, and the number 20 is one of those numbers for the first time in 20
0: <laughs> years. And Vincent Hamilton, who was drafted in 1999, ended up, I think, by the Lakers, didn't, didn't actually play very much. Roby, Isaiah Roby, who was drafted last night, chance to play in a pretty decent spot. What else you got for us? The other number that we're going
2: to focus on is the number 29, because the mayor of Mississippi State, Jack Mangum, Jake Mangum, rather, had just 29 strikeouts his senior year of college. That's one every other game. Mm -hmm. He is going to retire as one of the top all-time leaders in hits for a career, all-time leader in hits for the SEC of Mississippi State, and he got his his season-leading 108th hit this year, against again, just twenty nine strikeouts. Wow. So for the second day in a row, we see an all time great college career coming to an end in Omaha.
0: He will uh, be playing somewhere for sure. Those are Tony Gwynn like numbers when you can hit like that and don't strike out. Wow.
2: I was thinking Kirby Puckett like numbers, but oh. Potato Potato. Yeah. Well, George Brett like numbers. Yeah.
0: We go with we go with our strengths. That's right. That's you know, right. That's what we do. And our all hometown right. teams. <laughs> that's right. Bob Brogan is in here, and Dow is. Uh, kind of mixed right now, but it's pretty close to an all-time high.
3: Yes, but uh, they're telling us the, uh, the the rally this week is kind of fizzling out today a little bit, but uh, right now the Dow up a little bit, and so we're going to be watching that closely. Uh, the price of oil continues to climb and was up more than 9% for the week today. A Canadian company is expanding its plans for some former Cabela's property, They're taking a look at uh, some of that property in Sydney. And also, Nebraska's unemployment rate has uh, inched up to 3% for May. Those just inching up just a little bit. it has been It's still one of the lowest in the entire country, though.
0: I think the economists figure 3% unemployment as virtual uh, complete employment anyway. So, yeah, that works. All right, very good. Thank you, folks. Uh, all that coming up on Minted time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world brought to you by holdridge irrigation and i'm joined by paul perkins here on this friday and it's uh, sunny out here right now
4: yeah much of uh, central nebraska and kansas seeing a lot of sunshine the clouds starting to move back into the nebraska panhandle still some lingering clouds in north and east nebraska closer to that Rain and thunderstorm activity that moved through last night, some of it on the heavy side.
0: Yeah, really weather well, some we some pretty big numbers of rainfall again for us and chances is this weekend again.
4: Yes, exactly. Probably widespread precipitation for tomorrow night, a potential for some severe weather over southwestern locations for today. One of the biggest rain totals that we did see is nearly four inches of rain just to the east of Cambridge in southwest wow. Nebraska near the McCook area. So uh definitely a wet night a lot of southern nebraska and eastern nebraska seeing the bulk of these shower and thunderstorm activity and right now that activity well off to our east it was quickly moving through the region last night about 50 to 55 miles per hour is what some of the storm warnings were indicating for the movement of these storms and of course it was also producing some 60 mile an hour wind gusts in many areas so
0: and quite a temperature difference between uh, eastern and western right now too uh,
4: exactly uh Low 60s on into western Nebraska where some rain is starting to move in towards Chadron to Scouts Bluff. Otherwise, we do have temperatures more so as you head into southeast, Nebraska, southeast Kansas into the upper 80s and low 90s. So definitely a big difference in those temperatures. Clouds expected to somewhat linger for today, hold down our temperatures. But overall, uh, seeing some nice sunshine for the time being. This evening and overnight, another round of thunderstorms expected to develop along a And ahead of a cold front, some thunderstorms could be severe. Looks like our better chances of severe weather, according to the Storm Prediction Center, over the tri state area of extreme southwest Nebraska, northwest Kansas, and northeast Colorado. Now, earlier. We did have eastern Nebraska and northeast Kansas and at least a slight risk of severe storms, just a marginal risk now of severe storms over those areas and much of the central. But once again, southwest Nebraska, northwest Kansas, and northeast Colorado with that slight risk of severe storms. Damaging winds and hail will be the main threat. The first weekend of summer, not going to feel like it with some seasonally cool temperatures Behind the passage of this cold front that's moving through the region today, another good chance of thunderstorms by tomorrow night into Sunday when the main area of low pressure tracks to the east. Widespread rain is expected, but severe weather is not likely. Warmer weather and lower thunderstorm chances take over for next week when a ridge of high pressure builds across the central U.S. That is reflected in our long-term forecast. Chances are good for warmer-than-normal temperatures Wednesday through the 4th of July for Nebraska, Kansas, and the eastern two-thirds of the U.S. Late June and early July, daytime highs usually in the upper half of the 80s in central Nebraska with the average overnight lows in the low 60s. Mostly below normal rainfall is expected for Wednesday through the 4th in Nebraska and Kansas. Actually, some welcome news as we start heading into the heat of the summer. The outlook for July, August, and September just issued yesterday by the Weather Service in Indicates Cooler than normal temperatures and above normal rainfall in Nebraska and Kansas for the next three months. Weather impacting factors in the markets include mixed weather for the Midwest and dryness easing rain in the Canadian prairies. A slow moving cold front will drift across the plains and Midwest the next several days and generate locally heavy thunderstorms during the weekend. Cool air will expand to cover much of the country except the south and the east. Moderate to heavy rain in the Midwest for another five days will continue. To disrupt and delay soybean planting, especially over south and east areas of the Midwest. Cooler weather also curtailing the accumulation of growing degree days for crop development. In the northern plains, wet weather also slowing the pace of soybean planting and may bring an end to planting for the season. A pattern change to warmer and drier weather six to ten days from now looks to be a little more favorable in the Canadian prairies. Additional rain for many areas in the next week, improving the rainfall pattern for their crops.
0: My goodness, what a year. Just yes,
4: looking out yeah, wetter than normal and cooler than normal. Once again, in Nebraska and Kansas, July, August, and September.
0: We're going to have to come up with a new word. We've got El Nino and La Nina. I don't know what this is. El Agua or yeah, something. Yeah, I don't know. Probably, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just something. So, All right. Well, thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather, sir? dot
4: KRVN.com. In 1976, Brenda Colvin began her career at KRVN. Next to the Bicentennial celebration, that was the best thing that happened in America that year. Sadly, the longtime administrative assistant and walking encyclopedia has decided to retire. Join us as we honor Brenda Monday, June 24th from 2 until 5 for an open house. It's almost impossible to show our gratitude and thanks to our friend and colleague, but we'll try. Hope to see you at KRVN Monday, June 24th from 2 until 5. Chad Moyer with
0: you here on the Rural Radio Network. It is time for our weekly update from Nebraska's Ag Climatologist Al Dutcher, and it's been kind of a wet second half of the week, and it appears that's going to continue into next week, huh, Al?
5: Well, it does at least uh, at least in the short term. Looks like we're going to get a temporary break, and then we will probably see some redevelopment this afternoon. Now, the big question is where uh, where the thunderstorms will develop, and how much will they cluster together. That's the open-ended question. But from a scattered thunderstorm, thunderstorm chances i would think that the eastern one third of the state has a, a decent very respectful chance of seeing pop up showers doesn't look like we're going to deal with a lot of severe weather with the initial breakout but then again we'll see another wave that moves through during the overnight hours that could again form another line of thunderstorms like we've seen last night the problem with trying to predict exactly where it's going to happen is is that there's a lot of variation with the outflow boundaries from the previous convection. So basically what we can say is that that there is that chance that we're going to see some areas of state receive, some localized heavy precipitation. Then we get a brief respite as we go to tomorrow once again, and as we get into the major heating of the day, tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow evening, we'll probably see some more convection develop out. It looks like right now the models want to keep the majority of the more significant moisture confined to east southeast Nebraska and much lesser as we get out to, toward northwestern Nebraska. In fact, we may not even see any precipitation in northwestern Nebraska. And then as we go into Sunday, essentially, uh, that front is expected to hang up slightly across the Kansas-Nebraska border. That will be the focal point for additional moisture as we go through Sunday night into Monday morning. It looks right now the model going to keep the heaviest of that thunderstorm activity just to our south. And then we are walking watching as that primary upper air low that's responsible for a lot of this energy moving through the state will shift off toward the Great Lakes so another trough will try to drive into the western United States and carve out a large trough across the the western one-third of the united states kind of repeating what we've been going through off and on but in this case the models are trying to lock this in somewhat meaning that they're not as aggressive moving this low and the energy out into the plains region they're going to make that energy right over top of the ridge and right now the top of that ridge is predicted to be in northern nebraska southern south dakota as we go through next week so anything that comes out of that trough looks like it's going to move around the periphery of that ridge that means northeast nebraska And east central Nebraska, as it comes down, the Missouri River will be the most likely location for some of these convective complexes to move toward the southeast. But our temperatures are going to zoom back up into the upper 80s, low 90s, potentially even higher, depending on how much of a southwest flow we get aloft to bring in that warm desert air into our region. And that looks like it's going to hold for the majority of next week. The biggest question will be thunderstorm activity and will we see an increase in that. And really it boils down to the position of the ridge and where the system's right around it. But as we go even farther out, it looks like that troughing pattern will hold, and it looks like the warmer or above-normal temperatures will consistently continue as we go into the first uh, week, full week of July, meaning that that typical summer-type heat is finally starting to return. But with it, with all this moisture, probably going to see some very sticky conditions in terms of relative humidity levels. We've seen this in the past here in Nebraska where we get these quick moves to heat with a very young crop and it does cause some problems. So once again, we'll be watching to see whether or not that is an issue. But in terms of getting the heat necessary to get this crop going, it looks like we're finally going to get some of that moving into the region. We just just don't know at this point how long it's going to last.
0: Great insight. Thank you so much, Al Dutcher, Nebraska's ag climatologist. And this week's update here on the Rural Radio Network, chad moyer reporting
6: you're listening to midday with scott foster here on krvm
0: hope you're having a great day we've got sports coming up next with brandon minutes time for us to check in on sports here's brandon hey thanks scott well last night was a big night
2: in the history of Husker basketball. Isaiah Roby became the highest drafted Nebraska men's basketball player in 21 years as he was a second round selection during last night's NBA draft in Brooklyn. Roby was originally picked by the Detroit Pistons before his rights were then traded to the Dallas Mavericks. Roby a six foot eight Ford from Dixon, Illinois was taken with the number 45 overall pick becoming the 27th Husker basketball player drafted and the first since Vincent Hamilton back in 1999. At number 45, he was the highest Husker selected since Tyron Liu was the number 23 pick in 1998. Roby is just the sixth Husker men's basketball player selected in the first two rounds of the NBA draft. And in other NBA draft news, former Duke players were chosen with two of the first three and three of the top ten overall picks in the draft. Zion Williamson, of course, was the number one pick. He goes to New Orleans. The Pelicans took the Duke freshman forward last night with their first overall pick. He becomes the third freshman to be voted player of the year by the Associated Press, averaging over 22 points, almost nine boards, while shooting 68% from the field for the Blue Devils last season. R.J. Barrett was the second Duke freshman to be chosen when the Knicks grabbed the swingman with a third overall pick, and the Atlanta Hawks chose Duke forward Cam Reddish with a tenth overall pick. Louisville has advanced in the College World Series while eliminating Mississippi State last night. Drew Campbell singled home Danny Oriante in the bottom of the ninth inning to give a walk-off for the Cardinals, 3-4 victory against the Bulldogs. Mississippi State had led 3-2 in the ninth until Oriante singled in the tying run. Louisville now advances to play number two national seed Vanderbilt in bracket two final later today. And for the second straight day, an all-time great college baseball career has come to an end. Jake Mangum has been a constant for Mississippi State Bulldogs for the past four years. The mayor, as he is known in Starkville, is an All-American who played in 262 games over the last four years, missing just three games since he arrived on campus. He collected 383 hits over his career. That ranks fourth in Division I history. He is also the all-time hits king for both Mississippi State and the SEC. And last night set the program's single-season hits record with 108 hits for the year, against just 29 strikeouts, and he adds 22 walks. Major League Baseball has given the Tampa Bay Rays approval to look into a split season in Montreal next year, but the mayor of St. Petersburg, Florida, is throwing cold water on the idea. He says the Rays can't play anywhere else prior to 2028 without reaching a formal memorandum of understanding with the city where Tropicana Field is located. He also says he has no intention of bringing the idea to the city council to consider. And the Royals reached Twins ace Jake Odorizzi for four runs and eight hits in just four innings in a 4-1 victory last night against Minnesota. Lincoln native Alex Gordon had a two-run single and Lucas Duda had an RBI single in the first. Glenn Sparkman gave up just one run and five hits in a season-high tying seven innings as the Royals kept the AL-leading Twins nine games ahead of Cleveland. That's check of Sports. As always, more information available on our website, krvn.com. This is Brandon Bennett.
0: Well, time for us to take a look at uh, news that's affecting us here around uh, the region. And Dave Schroeder in here with us. And, you know, Dave, uh, since you and I have gone to school, yes, <laughs> both of us uh, former Huskers, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> Tuition's gone up just a little bit, and yes. it looks like it's going to go up a little bit more.
7: Yep, parents, it's going to cost a little bit more to send your little scholars uh, to the campuses. Uh, administrators are proposing a tuition increase averaging 2.75% for each of the next two school years. In the University of Nebraska system, University President Dr. Hank Bound said that resident undergraduates would pay 5 to $7 more per credit hour for each year. The Lincoln campus would charge $252 uh, per credit hour in the coming school year. The Kearney campus would charge $203 per credit hour for the coming year and $209 per credit hour in the following year. The tuition figures are part of the budget proposal that the University Board of Regents will be considering at its June 28th meeting. The university will also consider their proposed tuition increase for students at the Nebraska College of Technical Agriculture. The university says the Ag College students would pay $3.50 more per credit hour in the coming school year and four more dollars in credit hour the following year. With temperatures on the rise, the Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services is again distributing free fans and offering other cooling assistance programs through the Low Income Home Energy Assistance Program. The DHHS has partnered with 28 organizations to distribute fans purchased with federal funds to Nebraskans in need. A list of fan distribution locations can be found on the DHHS website page. DHHS's cooling assistance program provides bill payment aid. The crisis program assists with emergency energy payments, and deposit assistance helps with energy deposits and reconnections, along with the window air conditioning unit assistance program that pays for window air conditioners and the repair replacement program that benefits homeowners who need central air system repairs. A 27-year-old Lincoln man has been given 12 years in prison for receiving and distributing child pornography. Prosecutors say Jordan Geshell was sentenced Wednesday in U.S. District Court in Lincoln. He also must serve 20 years of supervised release after he leaves custody and register as a sex offender. Prosecutors say Gushel uploaded to a cloud account more than 4,700 files containing child porn involving children under the age of 12. Prosecutors also say investigators found 92 child porn files on Geshel's smartphone. Well, last month's heavy rain and flooding has sharply delayed Kansas' wheat harvest, which is usually in full swing by mid-June. The wheat harvest usually starts between early and mid-June and wraps up by mid-July. The Kansas Wheat Commission says only 1% of Kansas' wheat crop has been harvested as of Sunday, typically about 12 percent of the crop is harvested at that point and so uh, that's just another indicator of this uh cool wet uh season we've had and here we are uh, it's summer officially yeah. and it feels summerish a little bit
0: well at least the sun's shining and there's not a whole lot of clouds in the sky it was uh, we're reading one of your stories too here that uh, a bunch of counties in kansas did to receive disaster declarations yes. from some of this so that that's certainly good news, and uh, yes. there are more to come, I'm afraid.
7: I, I imagine so. I imagine so.
0: It's going to be a long season. I'm afraid it is. All right, thank you very much, Dave. I appreciate it.
6: You're listening to Midday with Scott Foster here on KRBN. june is dairy month we're going to learn about one of the most progressive dairies in the u.s that just happens to have a dairy in nebraska kansas and now ohio i'm clay Patton on the world radio network joining us to talk about this is ken mccarty of mccarty family farms and ken thank you very much for being able to talk with us today as we get started here let's just get a quick overview of what current day mccarty family farm operations looks like and how you're staying on the cutting edge
8: thanks for having me on clay so currently mccarty family farms has five dairy farms, one located in Beaver City, Nebraska, milking approximately 1,200 cows. Uh, The original Kansas farm located in Rexford, Kansas, milking approximately 2,000 cows. Sister dairy to that in Bird City, Kansas, milking about 3,000 cows. Another farm in Scott City, Kansas, milking about 2,800 cows. And most recently, uh, we opened a dairy in partnership with a local farming family in Salina, Ohio, uh, we milk approximately 3,600 cows there. You
6: guys have have really expanded operations, and, and you've always looked for the the way you can improve the farm, whether it be through technology, through efficiencies. Is that just kind of the family coming together and and analyzing everything, or how are, how have you guys been able to kind of stay ahead of the curve in the dairy industry?
8: I, I work with my three older brothers, and we all have a different set of interests and a and a different set of personalities and a different uh, viewpoint on on the way our farm should operate, and then you couple that with uh, a great uh, set of team members that we get to go to work with every day, and uh, a willingness to, to allow ourselves to be challenged by outside consultants and vendors on ways to do things better. And uh, we try to kind of combine all that together to, to create a, a cohesive way of of evaluating and reevaluating uh the way our farms are operating today but also the way that we could we could operate them into the future with with the ultimate goal of increasing efficiency and productivity but also uh optimizing our, our operations to decrease our environmental impact improve our animal welfare uh improve our our uh, employee comfort and our community involvement engagement and and ultimately keep costs down to where we can be competitive and, uh, hopefully stay in the dairy industry for a, a fifth or a sixth or, or maybe even beyond generation. Lots of goals out there and lots of opinions and, uh, we just try to kind of always challenge one another and, uh, reevaluate where we're at today. See if we can improve.
6: Ken in the dairy industry today, there are plenty of hot button topics, and many of them you just expanded on in that previous answer but mccarty dairy is one it 's very transparent it, it always keeps its livestock and its employees well being you know at top of mind as well as the the product that the consumer is being given They want to make sure it 's high quality that it 's safe So how has McCarty been able to stay above all the noise that 's happened in the dairy industry and in agriculture in general
8: you 're right in saying that there 's a lot of a lot of challenges and a lot of uh interesting tops of conversation in the ag industry right now. And, um, you know, first off, we, we try to be humble enough to say that we know that we don't have all the answers and we know that we're not perfect, um, that we're our goal isn't to be perfect, but our goal is to just improve every day. Um, and, you know, I think the real key to all that is is just being transparent. We try to open our doors to whoever wants to come in. Uh, into our farms and into our uh, farming operations and, and evaluate what we're doing and take a look at it. Uh, and you know, some of the folks that we bring in aren't necessarily fans of animal agriculture and that's okay too because world's a big place and there's lots of opinions and lots of viewpoints on the world and ours isn't always the right one. We've just tried to try to be open to a lot of different viewpoints and be willing to agree to disagree on certain things, but also be willing to make changes where where changes need to be made or where changes can be made. I'd like to think that I'm always right, but I know that I'm certainly not. Being open to different viewpoints, I think, only makes us stronger in the end.
6: McCarty has been recognized for a lot of its accomplishments in the dairy industry and agriculture in general, and has been recognized as one of the premier leadership facilities as well in the country. So what are some of the latest awards or recognitions that McCarty Dairy received, if you don't mind talking about about it.
8: My mom and dad, Tom and Judy, just received the Kansas Farmer, Master Farmer and Master Homemaker Award uh, for twenty nineteen. Really huge honor and they definitely in at least in my opinion deserve that. You know, and then in two thousand and eighteen we, we received the Progressive Genetic Award from the Holstein Association of the US here just recently, actually this past week and upcoming here next week we'll conduct a bunch of our third party audits of all of our dairies, whether those audits be for animal welfare, worker care, environmental care, uh, and on-farm security, as well as our non-GMO audits. completing those four first audits I talked about, that'll for, uh, I think, the third year in a row uh, make us the only dairy in the world to, uh, or the only dairies in the world to have ever uh, completed those four audits. So really, really proud of, of what what our teams have been able to accomplish definitely a you know a family effort whether it be that family be of my brothers and I and my parents or the family team members that we get to go to work with every day you know nobody nobody can do it alone and we've got some really great people that we get to go to work with every day that that help us achieve those sort of things
6: Again, we've been talking with Ken McCarty at McCarty Family Farm, celebrating Dairy Month and learning more about those operations that go the extra mile not only for their employees, but their livestock and they're keeping the consumer top of mind. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
0: Time for us to take a look at the markets and the financial markets, see what's going on there as we begin. As always, I like to take a look at overseas, not great news overseas in the overnight the Japanese Nikkei Index was down 202. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong down 76. The FTSE in London was down 16. And the German DAX Index was down 15. Here in the United States, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 39.16. The NASDAQ is down up, down 14 right now. And the S&P is down just a little bit uh, less than a point. Dow Jones is very close and actually went above the record for a while, but has come back down. The S&P is uh, actually closed at a record high on Thursday, surpassing a previous record set on April. The Dow was just uh, one three-tenths off of its all-time closing high set in October. So we'll get more news from uh, Bob Brogan as he takes a look at
3: this. Well, yes, uh, things are interestingly uh, doing pretty well today and uh, continuing a little bit of a trend. The uh, like you mentioned, the uh, the Dow uh, went up above its record and then fell back. The S and P was at a record yesterday. It's up 7.4 percent so far in June. Banks are climbing as long-term bond yields rise, which makes it easier for banks to charge higher interest rates on mortgages and uh, other kinds of loans. In uh, Other action, uh, a Canadian company that had planned to buy one of Cabela's former corporate buildings in Sydney is buying Cabela's former distribution center instead. Now that's pretty decent news for the community of Sydney. Uh, Their economic development director says, Toronto-based MMP has estimated that over the next three years it will create 300 jobs that will include forklift operators, marketers, and website developers. And uh, Cabela's once employed more than 2,000 people at its Sydney headquarters before being purchased by rival Bass Pro Shops. That'll be something to keep an eye on. Nebraska's unemployment rate has risen again, hitting 3% in May. The Labor Department says that the preliminary May rate is up a tenth of a point from April's 2.9% and March's rate of 2.8%. The uh, May 2018 rate was two point eight percent as well the new nebraska rate is well below may's national preliminary rate of three point six percent unchanged from april pretty low unemployment across the entire nation home sales jumped two point five percent in may as lower mortgage rates appear to help buyers overcome affordability challenges so lots of things to keep an eye on in the business world and uh, we'll be uh, right there keeping an eye on them.
0: All right. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Bob. Have a good weekend.
3: You too.
1: In central, north-central Nebraska, we've got growers John Dvorachek and Nathan Shear. Uh, this week, we're a little bit closer to where you're at, John, not too far from your home place near north of Farwell. Um, just give us an update, guys, what you've been up to. It's been kind of a wild past month or so.
9: Yeah, we uh, we're very fortunate. We kind of got, the, or Nate got the crops in on time for me. He uh, basically, if there was a dry day, he was out there trying. And uh, that's kind of what you had to do because you'd maybe have about two or three days that you maybe could go. And then you'd set for another week or two and he did a really good job at that. Then we kind of hit a good dry spell, I think, on the alfalfa. And, Pretty much got that up in good shape. Just got a couple of odd fields and that kind of stuff you had to
1: do on that. Talk about planning a little bit, Nathan. Um, you know, a lot of guys had to mud part of it in, and some producers even in this area taking some prevent plant. Did you get everything in?
10: Uh, down at our home place, we left a half the pivot stand for prevented planting. Uh, we're starting to see a little bit in the stand part of the being compacted mudded in. Other than that, it looks pretty good.
1: That's my next question. Maybe some of the issues you're facing. You mentioned compaction early on. John, what are some of the things you guys are dealing with right now?
9: Well, you can sure tell where the sprayers went, uh, anything like that. You have a d- diminished uh, population. It seemed like the population, though, what we planted, it came up pretty good. But then again, as it's been growing, now you can kind of see where that compaction around the tracks is really starting to show up. And it, uh, it's it got to affect the yield in the end, let's put it that way.
1: How do you feel about your stands so far? Is everything uh, coming up pretty evenly or, you know, are you looking pretty good as, as far as that? Where does stuff sit?
9: I think pretty much uh, everything's looking good. I know uh, I've had population counts done and that kind of stuff. And we're right in the area where I'd want to be on population. But, you know... We also kind of happened to hit where if it was crusting, then the next day we'd get a shower and it'd come through, so very fortunate that way, I think.
1: Um, I know this is also a busy time of year for a lot of guys putting up hay. Some have been able to, some have not. Where are you guys at with that?
9: We're pretty much right on schedule with that. Um, luckily, it happened to be that Nate bought a baler, and uh, my baler basically crashed, and it's been in the repair shop for about a week now, but... I think we'll probably get it back together today or tomorrow and then it'll be ready to run. If it hadn't been for uh Nate being able to step up and take that, it it would have been a very I might not be doing this interview right now, be out there trying to bail somehow if I could get it done.
1: It'll be about another month here before we talk to you guys again, kind of paint the picture of what this next month will look like, hopefully, and uh, some of the things that you uh, think you might encounter.
9: Well, I think uh, one thing we got to start worrying about is trying to get the, if we're going to hill it or how we're going to hill it and that kind of stuff when it's this wet. I mean, we can get it done, but you can also do a lot of damage to the crop, so you kind of got to wait for a favorable moment. Yeah, if the forecast holds out, maybe this coming week a guy can actually get in there and hit it get it over with so that we don't have to worry about it anymore.
1: Anything you're looking forward to, Nate, as uh, you kind of get into the bulk of summer, hopefully warm up a little bit here? It's the first official day of summer today, Friday, so anything you're looking forward to? Uh,
10: maybe just sit drying out a little bit but we'll be able to do something. It's getting kind of
1: boring right now. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. It's Fridays in the Field. You can find all of our Fridays in the Field coverage by liking us on Facebook, also ruralradio.com, and you can follow us on Twitter, Shaley Peters, and you're listening
11: to the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network as we review the grains trade today with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Now, the grains did end up lower and on the lows of the day or near them. Uh, Let's look at this disparity between Chicago, July wheat, and Kansas City July wheat to start things off.
5: Yeah,
10: which just amazing really. We're I think going in so today's options expiration day. Next week will be first notice day. So this is when my data kind of rolls off, but I only have data going back to the early 2000s on these kind of spreads, but I don't have any point in time where we ever this cheap between the two. Back in 2012, we got close, but uh 75 cents right now with Chicago under Kansas City or I'm sorry the other way around sorry casey under Chicago we should see in most normal periods the high protein wheat is more expensive but given the problems we have out east and I think we Chicago is kind of the proxy for global global prices whereas KC wheat's more of the proxy for US prices we're showing that huge disparity so uh <laughs> Difficult, difficult to get bullish Casey Weed, especially going into delivery right now. Wouldn't be shocked to see some further flush next week as first notice day approaches. But I think we've priced the lows. I would be shocked to see us below 440. So, uh, you know, if we get some weakness next week early, especially, I'd be buying ahead of the USDA report and and all the feed grains.
11: And you look at that July soy contract holding above $9. Was that significant?
10: Yeah, it's a good sign. I mean, we're going to have, you know, those options now. Essentially go off the books and, and we'll we'll wipe it clean with uh, a look forward to the August contract whether'll be an issue, so I expect the Monday night report to maybe move beans a little bit more than corn uh, to a bullish extent and then I think the bearish extent will come at the end of the week next week when we we have grain stocks so grain stocks are going to be bearish for corn and and beans wheat probably as well it's the planning numbers that could offset all of that so be ready we 've got i think every five days now the USDA opening their mouth with some sort of uh, uh, news between now and the middle part of July, so there are going to be a lot of ups, ups and downs, backs and forths as far as trade goes. With the trade as crowded as it, as it is right now, I think that the um, you know the thought that we can see this market continue to push uh, in a straight line up is, is probably over. But uh, I don't think we're we're done yet. There's uh, too much unknown, and and again, there's going to be some demand for rain coming around uh, at the end of this year.
11: Thanks, John. John Payne. Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to their website, DanielsAgMarketing.com. So as a matter of course, corn, 6 to 7 and 3 quarters lower today. Soybeans settled 12 and 3 quarters to 13 and a half lower. Now Chicago wheat did bend to pressure, unchanged to 1 lower. Kansas City wheat 5 to 8 lower, July showing the biggest loss. This is the Rural Radio Network. Well, that'll do it for our midday
0: program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on KRVN or Facebook, Twitter, or our app, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.